Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. playing musical chairs earlier tonight and this is how when the music stopped these are the chairs we got so it's good to see everybody tonight so we have a lot of good questions and we'll open it up to um, the audience about about 30 minutes so any questions you have on the questions that we're covering or any questions you might have on anything that you've come across in scripture so we're going to start off with what seems like a simple question, but we'll see where it goes. So what or who is a saint? What or who is a saint? I know I came from a <clears throat> Roman Catholic background. So a saint was someone who died and was believed to go to heaven. And then that three miracles had to take place in that saint's name for that person to be can- and that person's name to be canonized. But we're going to take a look tonight at what the scripture says. So I'm going to go to Pastor Paul first to hit that one. Well, in, in the scriptures, um, the the word saint or the or the title saint or the terminology saint doesn't maybe doesn't mean what uh, church di- tradition has um, has told us it means, which is like Pastor Vinny said, coming from the Roman Catholic perspective, where a person had to go through certain criteria, meet certain um, criteria, uh, actually be. Uh, I think in the Catholic Church they would have to um, they would have to be a certain number of miracles actually attributed to that person um, and then uh, it would have to go through a process the person would go through the process of being canonized and they would become a saint the the bible tells us that all of all of us who are believers in christ are saints um, romans saint the word saint or the or, or the, the the name saint is used many times in the scriptures in um, in Romans chapter one, verse seven, it says, "To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace and peace to you uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." So, saints would be would be those who are set apart for God's purposes, those who have been called by God to into a relationship and who have responded to that call. And um, and that's what a saint really is, according to the scriptures. I don't know if past, if uh, if Andy might have anything to add to that. Um, yeah, I think you pretty much uh, summed it up. Uh, I was going to say the same thing that the Bible calls us saints. Paul mentions us as saints. And I remember um, when I was back in 2018, I went to a missions trip, and I was, um, you know, like not that strong of a believer just yet. And I remember. 
who were talking about uh, the team was there talking about like baptism and 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 I remember somebody said that you can baptize I said um you know I'm not I'm not like a I'm not like a priest I'm not like I'm not like uh somebody can do that and she goes you are a saint you can do that so so we are or you know in those ways we can serve in those ways um so that's the best example I can think of and then as I started to become a strong believer I'm like yeah no we are we are a royal priesthood he also says so in Ephesians 4.12, it says, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, he says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So throughout Paul's letters, we see him, as both Andy and Pastor Paul said, referring to living people that are doing the work of ministry for Jesus Christ. Um, so that's very important because the base like of your foundation of your truth should be founded in the scripture and not what man or woman or a priest or a pastor um, inject. What does the scripture say? Okay, so the next part of that question, are people in heaven aware of events on earth? Are people in heaven aware of events on earth. And Andy will throw that one at you first. Uh, so uh, this we were going over this earlier Monday. And, um, you know, if you're in heaven, you are worshiping the Lord. Uh, and I think you are a... Um, you're doing that and you're, you're living up in heaven. Whatever's happening in the world, I, f- I feel like only um, God and, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ can answer those things. Um, so there's no intercessory prayer of us up he, up in heaven uh, for that. I, I think we have different roles and and and, st- and stuff like that. So, okay. yeah, good, Pastor Paul. Well, the the Bible is kind of silent on whether um, on whether those who are already gone in heaven can uh, have an understanding of what's going on here on earth. You would think that since heaven is a place of of total peace and bliss and um, and love, that if they were able to see what's going on here on the earth, then that it would uh, it would collide with that mindset. Um, so it's possible that they, you know, this is all conjecture. So it's possible that they could see what's going on here on earth. But they also see the whole picture because the Bible tells us that now we see dimly, but then we will see as we are seen, which is perfectly, completely. So we will be able to see the entire picture of, of God's you know, perfect plan you know, and see him win the day and see the new creation, the new heaven, the new earth. We'll be able to know and see everything. So even though there may be some... Um, you know, intermediate heartache here on the earth, we know that um, God's uh, kingdom eventually will win out. And so it's possible that those who are in, in heaven see what's going on, but understand also that, you know, in God's perfect plan, everything will, will work out perfectly according to his will. And so that's possible. I know that there's no crying, there's no more tears, there's no sorrow in heaven. So I know that you know, if, if they are able to see what's going on here, there's got to be a way that God is able to kind of 
soften that to, to those who are in heaven because it's a place of worship and bliss and, and perfect peace. So, Pastor Vin. Good. Yeah, I think I agree with both Andy and Pastor Paul. I think once you're in heaven, it's a totally different realm, um, you know, and what God wants us wants to reveal to us, that's totally up to him. But I think um, the biggest thing that is so awesome is that we can intercede on behalf of the people here on this earth. Um, we don't have to, and we know that Jesus also prays for us 24-7, 365. So who better to be praying for you than our Lord and Savior? Okay, um, angels and saints. We can look at this a couple different ways, but I think the first way is, are angels aware of things going on at the earth? We just talked about um, people in heaven. Are angels aware of things that are going on down here? And if you think of some of the angels, their me- angel it means messenger. So when God sends an angel down, it's ha- that angel has a purpose. Whatever God's will is, he's going to help carry that out. Not that God needs help, but there's a, there's a hierarchy. Angels are used as ministering spirits to communicate, to help out people, whatever. So do angels know what's going on in the earth? And we'll start off with you, Pastor Paul, on that one. Um, I think it, I think that's that's possible. You know, angels at, when they were created by God, they had a um, they had certain roles, and God gave them certain powers that certainly human beings do not have. Um, they were able to transport from one place to another. They were able to change their appearance. They were able to do uh, mighty things that human beings aren't able to do. So it's possible that they have an understanding of what's going on here on earth. Remember um, that, that angels, other than the fallen angels, were created by God living amongst the, the throne of God and they were always there in God's presence um, except for the ones that were fallen. Uh, we don't have that same experience that they do. So it's possible that they could know what's going on here on earth, not have the same sense of sorrow that we might have because we are like we were invested here as human beings and then we went to heaven. So it's not the same kind of relationship. So I think that's possible. Again, uh, I don't know if there's any scriptural uh, evidence for that, though. Andy? Um, I think angels are given specific uh, roles. Uh, from the Lord. I mean, I think about uh, John um, in Revelation, where I believe it was the angel that kind of put the coal to his mouth. And, you know, we see things about, you know, when we read in Ezekiel that, you know, Michael the archangel threw out Satan. So I think they're present. I think they do things. Uh, I think the danger in that is that there is a thing called angel worship, and that's like esoteric and heretical. Um, so I, I don't want to go into the so much of like, yeah, there are angels and they do stuff. And, any more than that. Um, but I do think they have a role. I do think they're, they're helpers of the Lord. Um, I think we see that throughout the Bible. So I'd say, yeah, they have certain roles and they do really important things. Awesome. I was thinking as uh, Pastor Paul and Annie were talking, we see that one angel that slayed 185,000 
people. So when he was given that command to do that by the Lord, he went down into the world knowing there was evil, knowing there was good. So there was awareness that not everybody is worshiping Jesus. You know, there's rebellion. Uh, those, the angels know Lucifer. They know a third of the angels. They knew those guys um, that were rebelling against God. So there is an awareness of that good and evil, the battle. You know, I think of the angels um, in uh, the field in Bethlehem when they were with the shepherds. And then they give glory to God in the highest, knowing that God himself took on human flesh. Mm -hmm. And how they must have been blown away as they saw God who they knew in, a, in the form of a baby seeing him grow up for those 33 years and all this stuff he went through, it must have just blown their minds, you know? But yet there's an awareness there of things that were going on in heaven and on earth. And then the last thing, when Adam and Eve fell and they were expelled from the garden, mm. uh, God had the angels guard the tree of life so that uh, Adam and Eve wouldn't eat from that tree and live forever in their sinful state. So... It's pretty interesting. Um, I think David Jeremiah did like a whole month on angels, and it was fantastic. From hell's angels to uh, heaven's angels to angels that uh, minister to Jesus, angels that minister to you and I. So that's something you can always check out online in the archive. Pastor Paul? Um, in Hebrews 1, it says, um, uh, speaking of angels... Uh, are, in verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? So angels have a certain, uh, like, like uh, Andy said, a role that God has given them, um, certain um, things that they do for God. And certainly, you know, when we speak of, um, you know, uh, you know, how angels interact with human beings, we're, we're given an idea that they can interact through, a, through the spiritual realm and minister to us in our need. And so, you know, there's a certain thing that they're able to do, but they're not the same as human beings. What's neat about it is, in, you know, in, in eternity, we'll be worshiping God along with them, alongside them, you know, and so we'll be able to maybe get a glimpse of what these creatures, these beautiful mm -hmm. created beings were, mm -hmm. you know, and we'll be all worshiping God together. It's awesome. What a day that'll be, or what an eternity that'll be. Not oh. for the day. <laughs> uh, the next qu uh, question is really three parts. I'll read the three questions and then we'll answer them as the uh, Lord puts it on our heart. Uh, what prayers are the angels and or the saints aware of? Can angels or saints answer prayers? And can angels or saints intercede to answer prayers? The first scripture when I was looking at this that came to my mind was there's one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the only mediator. We don't go to pray to angels. We don't go to pray to deceased saints. Um, let's say you knew someone who was a born-again believer on this earth and they passed away. They went to heaven. 
I want to be praying to that person. Why? Because there's one mediator. I can do everything through Jesus. He's not too busy to handle 8 billion prayers at once. He's God. He's all-powerful. He can do that. So that's the first thing that hit me is God, you know, Jesus is the only mediator. As far as what prayers are they aware of, I think it's whatever the Lord is allowing them to see, especially in, in the case of an angel. Well, you know, Gabriel, Michael, I want you to go down now, you know, to minister to Daniel, to so-and-so, to Mary, to Joseph, to Andy, to Pastor Paul, to, you know, whoever. So this is how God uses his angels as Paul, Pastor Paul and Andy said, as ministering spirits. Can they intercede? I think in the case of fulfilling God's will, what God wants them to do. This is the case of the angels, not the saints. I think the saints, once they're in heaven, they're there. They're not coming back and forth through the earth. But this is part of the doctrine of demons, isn't it? Yeah. That, you know, you can pray to your deceased grandmother or you can go to a seance and hear your dad speak. That's all deception. Those are all the lies. And the Bible is very clear of not getting into the occult, you know, to talk to the deceased. Um, Andy? Yeah, um, I think angels can intercede, but I also, I always think about how everything happens in like a unit. Everything happens the way God wants it. He, uh, he has angels do his bidding when he wants them to. Otherwise, if you don't, you have a rebellion called Satan and they do their own thing, then they get thrown out of heaven. Uh, so I do think they can intercede with, the, with like you said, the quote-unquote sponsorship of the Lord. You know, no angel can or should do anything without his saying or his being. Um, yeah. Okay, Pastor Paul. Yeah, it says in James 5, uh, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So that word righteous. So I, I would equate that word with the word saint. Someone who's set apart. Someone who's, um, you know, a person who is doing God's will here. Um, so when you think of righteous, you don't think of perfect. You think of someone who is, you know, who's a believer. Who's... Um, you know, who's uh, sincere of, about their faith, who desires to do God's will, who intercedes for others to God. And so, you know, when we think about praying for one another, you know, we pray for each other to, directly to Jesus. And, you know, we don't need anyone interceding in between. So we, we pray for ourselves. We pray for one another. Um, but we pray directly to God. You know, there's a, a doctrine in, in um, and I know specifically in Roman Catholicism and prob probably other denominations that speaks about the prayers of the saints. And in Revelation 5, 8, it's spoken of the prayers of the saints. But these are not the prayers of the saints that are in heaven. These are the prayers of the, those righteous believers here on earth who are sending the prayers up in the form of incense. It's It's... It's spoken of as incense. In other words, it's rising up to the Lord from the earth, those who are righteous, those who are believers, those who are sincere in their faith, 
And now those prayers are going up and they're going directly to God. And so the prayers of the saints, um, you know, are those prayers of all who, all who believe. And God hears all those prayers. And so we don't need anyone in between to intercede for us. Just thinking of Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 through 12. It says, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So the awareness on our part of these, this battlefield that we're on, and whether it be um, an ange- angels, whether it be... Like how many times in your lifetime have living flesh and blood human beings been used by God and interceded on His behalf to help you. I think that's almost, uh, it's happened so often that I forget how often that's been. But something could happen just today where God allowed somebody to come into your life to help you with the situation where you said, uh, what's going to happen here, right? The other thing uh, before we move off this particular um, topic is there was a Sunday school uh, little boy who was sitting in the sanctuary with his parents before he was dismissed to go down to Sunday school. And in the church that he was in, it had the stained glass windows with all the different characters, Gabriel, Joseph, Mary, Jesus. And um, the teacher in Sunday school asked and said, does anybody know what a saint is? And little Jimmy raised his hand. And and the teacher said, yeah, Jim, what is it? And he goes, a saint is anybody who lets the light shine through them. Mm. And that's how he pictured it from the uh, colored glass stained windows. And that's what we are, aren't we? we? Jesus is living in us. He's the light of the world. And we want him to shine through us to touch other people. And that's what a saint is, set apart for God's use. Can I just add something real quick? Yeah. Uh, when you see the word angels, uh, you know, and saints, it means literal, but also means, like Pastor Vay just said, you know, angel in Greek, angelos, means messenger. So just bear in mind that we are also messengers. We are also saints. It doesn't mean a title that we cannot grasp, and it doesn't mean one certain thing. It has multiple meanings. And we, as the hands and feet of Christ, we are those things to go do good works. Awesome. Okay. All right. So can Mary or saints hear prayers? if they are not, since they are not omniscient or omnipresent? Can Mary or saints hear prayers since they are not omniscient or omnipresent? And I think we hit this in different ways already. There's only one mediator. You know, um, Mary or the saints again. I think of saints as anyone in here that's a born-again believer. Born-again believer dies, they go to heaven, they're still set apart for eternity, right? They're in heaven with Jesus. So, Pastor Paul, I'm going to have you hit that one. Can Mary or the saints hear prayers since they're not omniscient or omnipresent? Yeah, well, the the quick answer would be no. I mean, given the evidence in the scriptures that, that, that tells us that, you know, 
that show us that you know once you're once you're you're dead you're in God's presence and you're you're not that's not there's nothing in the scriptures that tell us that that happens the other thing is I go to Mary uh, you know at the feast of Cana where um, you know people were looking to have this uh, you know the water turned to wine they ran out of wine they were looking and you know remember Mary said whatever he says listen to him speaking of Jesus you know she pointed the people back to Jesus Christ and I think that's what we have to always go by is you know who is the one who's um, going to hear our prayers God, God is the only one he can hear the prayers of you know five billion people at the same time in all different languages interpret them and and answer them in in a, in a way that he only he can do um, it a, a person can't do that even even uh, you know a person you know that's that's died and gone to heaven in a different realm uh, they can't do that so um, you know it becomes it becomes a little bit almost cultish to to um, you know think about it in that way and I think a lot of um, churches actually teach um, you know improper uh, theology when they look to you know Mary or the saints answering our prayers or hearing our prayers um, and so you know a lot of it had to do originally with um, you know indulgences and using those things to kind of point people toward a way of giving more money to the church so you know and Jesus does not expect that from us so he wants that one-on-one -on -one. he wants that personal relationship with us that's awesome and I was I know in my faith walk when I was a younger um, a believer that whole thing was so important with just like you said Pastor Paul with Mary pointed to Jesus you know, do what he says. And when I think of John chapter 1, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So Mary was pointing to the word of God for the people to seek his answer because he was the word. And it hasn't changed. We go to the word to find out what Jesus' heart is, what, his, what he wants us to obey. And then in that transition, he goes from John 1 to John 2 with the wedding feast of Cana and the water turned into wine with Mary's... I mean, there's not many things in Scripture about what Mary said. But this is one that you can underline. Do what he says. You know? And then they, Jesus goes from the common people to in chapter 3 the highest relig religious ruler in the land, Nicodemus. So he covered the whole gamut, you know, which, which our God does. He wants everybody to be saved. Andy? Yeah, I think about um, when Jesus was crucified and um, the veil was torn in half, uh, and that was to signify there's no more separation between man and God. And so I feel like when we have, like, all these mediators and all these saints, it feels like that that wall, that veil is being sewn up again or that wall is mm -hmm. being built up again between God and um, and us, and that's just wrong. We, we, we have a mediator, we have a, a person, which is Christ our Lord, to, to touch, to, to pray anytime, and just talk to him. And like Pastor Paul said, that he wants that 
relationship. It sounds like a you know cliche, but it really does want a relationship with you. And how do you not have a relationship with him if you are not calling out to him and 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 fellowshipping with him or supping with him, if you will? So a lot of these, you know, when you when you study history and you study all these a lot of these religions, it's always the separation between man and God. You know, the ancient Greeks did it. You can't know the gods. The Buddhists do it. There is no God. You can't know a God. It's always this uh, separation. Always like this hierarchy. You know, in Islam, like, you know, um, it's up to Allah to tell you if you're going to get saved or not. You don't know. You just sit there and you just wait. Um, and then once you understand that, you realize, okay, no, at least our Lord wants a personal relationship. At least we can touch him. At least we can have a conversation with him and pray with him as opposed to other ones. A great quote is, man's always reaching for God, but our God reaches down to us. And I think that's paramount. And that, that's really all about relationship. Yeah. You know, what you just said with God reaching down to us and then we choose to have that relationship with our God. Okay, we're gonna I'm gonna read Revelation chapter five, verses eleven to thirteen. And the question uh is how could he hear and understand all of them with their different languages and know what they were saying? So in Revelation five, beginning with verse eleven. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. So the question is, Amen. how could he, referring to John, um, hear and understand all of them with their different languages and know what they were saying? Genesis 1.1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can believe that, then you can believe that God can do anything, that he can make anything happen. So one of the things I think of is Paul in the beginning, or I'm sorry, Peter in the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. After Pentecost, he went out and he spoke and people from different parts of the nations were coming to Jerusalem and they understood in their own language what Peter was saying. So Peter had no knowledge of their language, but yet God, when Peter spoke, let those people hear in their own language. It's a miracle. Pastor Paul? Yeah, I was just going to say it's a miracle that you know God can... Uh, obviously, he he gives gifts and um, abilities and powers to to people. Sometimes, um, you know, and, and it's always according to the to the to the Holy Spirit how it, they're given and when they're given. So, yeah, this is a miracle that happened, and so we don't look at it as um, as anything strange, other than the fact that God intervened there, and He's able to um, to cause that to happen. So. Awesome. He's God. Thanks, Pastor Paul. Andy? Yeah, from um, examining the question point of view, I'm uh, taking it onto, onto the other side. 
looking at the question, I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit of an assumption here. How could he hear and understand all of them with their different languages and know what they were saying? But it doesn't say that in the text. All I hear is John heard and he understood. So then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. Okay, maybe they were speaking the same language. Maybe he did understand. Like, but I, I just don't see anything in here that would assume that they spoke many different languages despite the, the multitudes. So it's really important that when we, when we ask questions or we, when we read it, just be very, very careful on how to say it and what to say it. Because only because, not to, to cut up the question, there's nothing here that says to me that there was another language there. Mm-hmm. That's based on an assumption. Right, good point. And there was a, earlier today I stopped in to uh, grab a bite to eat and there was a conversation going on with a lady and a, uh, a younger guy, middle-aged woman and a younger guy must have been maybe 25, and uh, he was saying that he spoke seven different languages. And the lady could speak Spanish and English. So if you're multilinguistic or lingual, like if that guy, that guy could, that could speak seven different languages. If there were seven people in here that spoke all those different languages, when he's talking, he can hear everything that they're saying. Like he understands seven different languages. So just think about that for a second. So how much more with God, and like you said, Andy, like you can just hear even though that person is speaking Greek. And... I agree with what you said. It's an assumption when we look at that passage, just because maybe they came from all different nations, you're thinking there might be all different languages. But I think it's pretty cool that God can make anything happen. And when we're in heaven, we're all going to know each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all going to understand each other, even if we came from two different parts of the world. Okay, Revelation 5, verse 8 says, Now when he had taken the scroll... The four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And Pastor Paul had hit upon this a little bit before, but why don't we just revisit it real quick. In Revelation 5.8, what are the prayers of the saints? And one of the things that I feel is um, something that I need to grow in more is the importance of the prayers of you and me. How important praying is to God. How important He looks at at the prayer of the saints. You know, you might think it's insignificant, the prayer that you're saying. But it isn't insignificant to God. He's hearing everybody's prayer. You know, and that persistent prayer you know, is very important. Even if you're not seeing the result of that yet, I think of the angel, right, that was delayed 21 days to come down to Daniel because it was a spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes. Uh, Pastor Paul? This scene in heaven in Revelation 5, you know, is speaking of, um, first of all, Revelation, there's a lot of symbolism And when they talk about the prayers of the saints as bowls of incense, like I mentioned before, you know, it's like when you, when you have a bowl of incense, you know, you see the smoke rising up and, you know, that's symbolic of the prayers 
of, uh, the, of God's people just going up to Him and that He can now answer all those prayers in His perfect way, in His perfect will. And so those are, the, those are the prayers of the saints. Again, some churches look at that as the prayers of the people that are already dead and in heaven. But I don't see that from the scriptures here. It's very, it, it doesn't indicate that at all. And it's the, prayer, the incense is representative of the prayers of those who are believers, those who are, um, who are in Christ. Andy? Yeah, um, when I see this here, the prayers of saints, I, I believe, is basically the prayers of the hearts, on the hearts of uh, the uh, believers. But what strikes me when I read this is it isn't so much the prayers of the saints, but who is it that's going to fulfill those prayers? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So when I read 8 through, through 10, I'm really enamored by what it's saying and who it's saying. And that just points me to how Christ really is the Messiah. He is the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh. Because it matters less to me about what those prayers are. And, and they're all important. We all have prayers. Anything you have or I have, it's in that bowl. But at the end of the day, the bigger question is, who fulfills those prayers? And it's the Lamb. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, good point, Peggy. So, you know, it was just mentioned that the first part of prayer should be praise and glory to the Lord. Um, you know, acknowledging the fact that He's the one that you're praying to. He's the only one who can answer those prayers in, in, his, in his perfect will. And Andy, I love what you said about, you know, moving, going on past verse 8, because the, the heading in my, in my Bible to that whole section is worthy is the Lamb. Yeah. It's not really about the prayers. It, I mean, it is about the prayers of the saints, but it's also, you know, verse 9, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and you have been redeemed. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. I mean, Amen. that's Jesus Christ. He's worthy out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. I mean, you know, this is everything that Jesus has done for us. And so, yeah, obviously the first thing about prayer should be praise and worship and glory to Him who's going to answer our prayers in His perfect way. And verse and 10, so, yeah. verse 10 ties up to what we just talked about. And he made us kings and priests to our God. So we're asking, what are angels? What are messengers? Well, we are made by them through Christ. Right here, turn reminds me of what we just talked about in the beginning, verse 10. And uh, can you read that verse 10 again, Andy? Okay. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation that have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Speaking about the different languages. And right. Yeah. And just think of that, you know, tonight... If you didn't know this, you're saints. But you're also kings and priests in God's kingdom. And a priest is someone who represents God before people. So you're representing God to the unbeliever. You want to bring them through the light that shines through you, point them to Jesus. You know, that's so big. And... Yeah, just, yeah. So there was a song, one of the songs, and I talked about, I think, perfect submission. When you're praying, you're basically saying, Lord, I have no control of this. I'm coming to you, you know, Lord, help me find that job, or, you know, help Pastor Joe feel better tonight, or whatever the prayer is, 
It's like total submission, Lord. I can't do this. I don't know. I have. I wish I could help out, but I can't. So please, Lord, you know, allow your perfect will to be done in this situation or in this person's life. And before we go to you guys and girls with any questions you might have, is uh, Pastor Paul and Peggy, you brought it up with adoration, praise, worship, and that acronym that we've heard before, but some people might not have heard it, is the word ACTS, A-C-T-S. When you pray, hit ACTS. ACTS is adoration, A. C, confession or contrition, you know. Uh, T, thanksgiving, thanking God. And S is supplication, which is intercession. So following that pattern of starting out with worship and adoration. Can I just say one thing? that I love what you just said about how, you know, we we have to learn to submit to the Lord because we're always white-knuckling everything. Mm -hmm. We want to control everything because lack of control makes us feel crazy, but there's nothing really we can control. Mm -hmm. And the moment we just let go and just let do this, there's such power there. It's like that submission that God wants us to give him is the power of the Lord working through us. And it might seem so scary to be like, I, I, I got to let this go. But once you do this, that's when everything flows. And it's... And, that sounds so it's hard, mm. especially in an American lifestyle. But letting go and God will sustain you, and that's the most powerful thing. And I hope we can learn that. Well, you just think, I was just thinking, if I could have just totally submitted myself to the Lord when I was in my 20s or 30s, you know, now that I'm in my 40s, <laughs> confess, confess. No, Okay. All right, so we're going to go to you, guys and girls. Any questions um, or comments that you would have? Yeah. Prince of the power of the air, yes. So uh, for those who are on the Internet, there's the statement was that Satan has no power in heaven. He's called the prince of the power of the air here. He still has an influence. Even though he lost at the cross, he still has an influence on this planet until he's thrown into the lake of fire forever. So that is a great point. And one of the things, though, he, uh, his name means is he's an accuser. So he still is going before the throne saying, oh, look what Vinny did. Look what he's thinking. Look at this. And uh, Jesus is there with his... Father and the Holy Spirit saying, I got him covered. He's covered in the blood. Mm. He's one of ours, Dad. Anybody else? Any other? Yeah. So the statement was, um, we have a person here tonight that is a former Catholic. She's a born-again believer. And she still says one of the same prayers that she's always said. And that's probably the one prayer that we all if no one's memorized Scripture, there's one prayer in Scripture that I'm sure you've mem memorized, and that's the Our Father. And that was uh, uh, the way God set up how we should pray. And He used the Our Father as the model for prayer. And that alone, right, you could take every single uh, statement in the Our Father and have a teaching on that. So, I mean, the Our Father, you know, that's what Jesus used. So, again, according to the Scripture. Are you praying according to the Scripture? Absolutely. The Our Father is right there in the Scripture. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yep. 
so to respond also to that to that comment about the our father you know it was it's interesting that you know um we we learned that too when we were young and but when we when we prayed it um in in a service or prayed it you know um even it was given sometimes as penance um it was not sincere and it was more rote and repetitive and not from the heart and so Jesus addresses that very issue when he then goes and tells his disciples how to pray and then gives that example of the Our Father he says don't pray as the heathens do in vain repetition so your prayers the Our Father is an awesome prayer it covers everything that we would want to have in our prayers and if you're praying it sincerely from the heart to the Lord, there's nothing wrong with that prayer, especially since it's right from the scriptures. But it's when those things become just ritual and, you know, and tradition and have no meaning uh, that it, it's, you know, God, God really doesn't hear those prayers. So that's the difference. I think that's a great point, you know. And I remember we used to say the rosary all the time after dinner. So hundreds, thousands of times probably said they are our father. But you know what's awesome? Like recently, if I'm driving or um, just laying in bed, I'll take each of those words like our father. And just think how special that is. Our father. He's mine. He's my dad. You know? And he's a good, good father. You know? Our father, who art in heaven? Oh, man. There's a heaven. He's up there. But yet Jesus, when he rose from the uh, dead and ascended in heaven, says, you know, wait, I'm going to send you a helper. So God is living in me, the Holy Spirit. And like, this is all connected. This is so wild. So that isn't like Pastor Paul was saying, that definitely isn't just uh, repetition. You're really dividing the word. You're really chewing on it. And so that's a great point, Annika. Thank you. Um, and God knows our hearts when we pray. He knows if we're sincere. He knows if we're just saying it out of repetition. Any, any thoughts of that? Yeah, um, just basically what you said, though, when you said the Our Father, I mean, it's, it's biblical, it's, it's in there, so you don't have to worry so much about, like, even though that you're now born again, is there, can you still do the Our Father? The answer is yes. Um, you know, I love what you said about how, you know, God is our Father, and I, I actually I thought about how I'm the oldest child of four, so God is our Father, and Christ is our big brother. And if we don't mm -hmm. set straight, he's going to come and put us in a headlock and probably give us some cookies <laughs> and be like, listen, get your act together. And I know that because I did that to my siblings, so that's the privilege of being the oldest of four. And I think we've all been in uh, God's headlocks in different times in our life because he loves us. Uh, we can take probably one more. Anybody from the audience? So, great question. So, the uh, question was, we refer to heaven or up, going up to heaven or up there is heaven. So, the person is curious, you know, where it is, what we're saying. So, um, I think that is a great point. When Jesus ascended from um, the Garden of Gethsemane and he went up into the heaven, he went up until he disappeared in the clouds. And one day he's going to come back in the clouds at the rapture of the church. So that upness is right there. And I think uh, we were talking earlier about hell. Where is hell? And uh, with Moses and Zechariah, 
Moses and the dispute he had. Um, Moses said, get on this side if you're with me, or go over on that side if you're with him. So the people made the decision, and all of a sudden the earth opened up, and they were swallowed. They were swallowed down into the earth. You know. So, Pastor Paul, anything on that one? Uh, well, yeah. Um, so the Bible speaks about, you know, in in Genesis it speaks about God creating the heavens and the earth, right? So I think we've probably, I th we might have answered this in one of our Q&As before, but so, and then it speaks about Paul being caught up to the third heaven. So there's, there's different heavens as we th use that term. So there's the, the first heaven could be the uh, earth's atmosphere. Uh, the second heaven is where the planets and the stars are. And then there's a third heaven. So as we talk about it we're talking about you know going upward and the third heaven would be God's abode his dwelling place you know and so that's why we refer to it I think just out of you know just just seeing it in the Bible how it's how it's spelled out in those ways where it would be upward and I think in our perspective as human beings that's how we sort of settle it in our hearts you know, our minds. Andy, anything? Yeah, I mean, just ascension is all over, over the Bible. I mean, you know, we are lifted up. We lift up the Lord. We rise up. I mean, heaven is, is, is above. Hell is below. It seems to be the trajectory and the direction. But it, oh, I also think it's something that, you know, God, God makes us to strive to. Where it's like we, we ascend the mountain. We go up. We go up to heaven. So I think there's a more, that's more of a philosophical thing. But just, that's really what it is. Just everything is ascended upward and the third heaven you know is all the whatever so yeah it just seems to be the trajectory no pun intended did you get that yeah it did that was pretty good <laughs> so uh, um i th i think we're gonna i think we're gonna close it up for tonight but before we do pastor Vinny, you know we spoke a lot about tonight about a relationship with god about praying to god him hearing the prayers of the saints those who are righteous those who are in him those who are believers, but um, if there's somebody out there here in person or even on the internet who doesn't have that relationship with the Lord and uh, doesn't know how to pray, um, doesn't know if they're going to heaven, um, what what do we what do they do? How do we point them in the right direction? That's a great question. There's no coincidence if that's you tonight, whether you're here or on the internet, that you're thinking that. That's God's Holy Spirit gently nudging you to make a decision, you know. And um, I think of two people, as Paul, Pastor Paul asked me the question, is the thief on the cross and that high religious leader, Nicodemus. So you couldn't get more than two opposites at the end of a spectrum than a thief and the highest religious man of the day. And whether you are the thief or whether you are that religious person, both of them had to be born again. Both had to come to that place where they realized that they were sinners, that they had no way out, that they were deserving of God's judgment. But then they, then God, through His grace, comes into their life and says, well, listen, I came down to die on the cross in your place. 
And if you take me into your heart and believe in me, you will have eternal life. So the only thing you have to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross just for you. And we're going to say a prayer. And if you feel that God is moving you now to accept him, by all means, please do that. Because no one knows <clears throat> the day or the hour when we're going to leave this planet. It could be tonight. could be in the morning. could be 10 years from now. Don't take a chance. So if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I've been following my own way. Lord, right now, I just want you to be the way for me. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross just for me. Jesus, just come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in your name, dear Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer, congratulations. You're now a son or a daughter of the King. And if you are at home and you see the number on the screen, just call this church and we'll send you some material. We'll send you a Bible to get started. If you're here and you said that prayer, just come up afterwards and we'll give you a little packet. Um, we'll give you an early Christmas present because you just received the greatest gift of all. <laughs> Amen. Everybody, thank you so much for coming tonight. God bless you. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org Thanks for listening and may God bless.